to Your Thought Life Podcast. I am your host, Michael Anderson. Before we get started, I just want to ask you if you would please take a few moments and give us a rating and review from whichever platform that you've subscribed to. We most certainly would appreciate that. And that will help us reach more people who have an appetite for mindset content. Today, we have a phenomenal topic, one that is very, very near and dear to my heart. We're going to today talk about the importance of a positive self-image. One of the things that I found out early in life is that a positive self-image will either propel you into greatness or will repel you from greatness or even success. Just a quick story. As a youth, I had a very prominent figure in my life that I looked up to, that I trusted, tell me that I was stupid. This happened at the age of eight. I didn't learn until I was 24, 16 years later, that in fact, I was not stupid. I did have all the necessary hardware to be considered above average or even smart in some respects. Imagine going 16 years with feelings of you're not capable, comparing yourself with others and automatically ruling yourself out, looking at various situations and circumstances that might require rigor and automatically um, concluding that you're going to fail and therefore you don't even try. We're going to talk about this today. I don't want that for you. And as I shared in the opening, this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. When I'm speaking with clients, I share with them that a positive self-image is really how you see yourself in your mind's eye. Modern psychology says as a definition that self-image is the personal view or mental picture that you have of yourself. So it gives it another dimension. But, but why does any of this even matter? Here's why it matters. You're either one of two patterns. We're not going to deal with neutrality. The data there is real wishy-washy, and that's really not the, the sort of focus of this. We're either in a can-do mode or a cannot-do mode, sort of binary, one or zero, or, in this case, negative or positive, where negative does not provide us with the willpower and the fortitude to go after it, and conversely, positive does give us both of those two attributes. What we want to do is just sort of break this down. Let's break this down and gain an understanding of what is it that creates a negative or positive self-image. And you really have three principal influencers. And the influencers are genetics, your childhood, and environment, aka social environment. In the genetic 
portion of this equation, we're talking about literally the aspects that you get directly from mom and dad in that whole chromosome story. As a result, you grow up and you have characteristics that are very, very similar to your mother or your father. In my case, if one were to see a picture of me and my father, they would go, oh my God, those are probably twins. When in fact, he's the dad, not the son. Rest his soul. The second component of this is childhood. When you're born, you have no compass for what is right or for what's wrong. You are an open book. What happens as you are developing from birth through about age seven is your subconscious is constantly recording everything that you come in contact with, everything you see, everything you hear, all of the opinions, all of the biases, all of the beliefs. You're taking all of that in and that is forming your self-image foundation. And then the third aspect is environment or social. And it's here where all of the things that you've learned those seven years are confirmed or denied. And if they're affirmed or confirmed, then you move through the rest of your life from that standpoint, think about my example. I'm eight. Just after this period, I get this devastating news. It alters my entire adolescent life and a portion of my 20s paralyzes me because I think I'm stupid. So maybe yours is not stupid. Maybe yours is you're a little too heavy or maybe you're a little too short or maybe there's some sort of personal feature that you don't particularly care for and it bothers you tremendously. Maybe someone told you you're not a good test taker. Perhaps you have a different walk and your walk isn't as glamorous as it may be. Whatever the situation is, there are a host of these scenarios playing out in all of our lives. And what we want to try to do today is understand these habitual patterns, beliefs, and behaviors that we now have as adults hardwired into the way that we do life on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's talk about two different hemispheres of the mind just very, very briefly. So you have the frontal portion where you have your conscious mind and you have the rear portion, a sizable amount very, very large in comparison. The subconscious mind dictates about 95% of everything that you do in a day, whereas the conscious mind, somewhere on order of 5%. That's going to vary, of course. Science is not very precise on those two percentages. Nonetheless, given the 95-5 ratio, if you're leaving your job, and you're on the way home, but you're talking to a friend, or maybe you're like me and you're doing a conference call on the way home. 
somehow you can be completely engaged in that conference call and not paying hardly any attention to the lights, to the 3,500 pound vehicle that you're driving and all of the other sensory data that's going on around you. And you get home safely every single time for the most part. That's your subconscious in action. Now, back away from that example for just a minute and assume that you have you have a goal. It's January. There are a lot of people who are doing resolutions. I'm I'm going to have contention in the gym for the next two to three weeks. But because I understand this principle, I know that those people are going to be leaving the gym in again, two to three weeks. Why? Their conscious mind has a desire to change. That's 5%. Their body and their being is being ruled by those habitual patterns, beliefs, and behaviors 95% of the time. So therein lies the issue. If you've ever seen someone and they've been in a pattern that they don't desire to be in, and you hear them say that they want to change, yet the circumstances never change, apart from vibrations, apart from any of the laws of attraction, this is taking place each and every time. And so what we're going to do today is find out how do we break this cycle? What are some of the things we can deploy to help us break out of this pattern, these patterns that don't serve us, these beliefs and behaviors that don't serve us. Here's the homework assignment. I'm going to give you three modalities. The homework assignment is you're going to take one of the three and implement it today. Here they are in order. Self-talk. These are the conversations that you have with yourself. These conversations would tell you that you don't have what it takes. You're not enough. You don't possess the appropriate um, skill sets, nor can you acquire them. What we call ants, and we're going to do a show specifically on this by request automatic negative thoughts. This is the first and largest area for you to start to gain some traction with reprogram. Remember, it took seven years plus numerous additional years to hardwire these habitual patterns, beliefs, and behaviors. So in the same way, it's going to take repetition to undo them one at a time. So what you do for negative self-talk or negative or automatic negative thoughts is when you hear that voice tell you that you can't do it, what you're going to do is talk back and you're going to say the opposite of what the voice tells you. So in my case, when I worked with someone to do this several years ago, a couple decades ago, when when I would sit down for a standardized test, I could hear that person's voice telling me that thing. 
And what I would do is I would say to myself, that person didn't know what they were talking about. They said some things. They had no idea that it was going to impact me that way. I forgive them, but I'm not what they said I am. But I'm not what they said I am. I am, in fact, very capable. I do have what it takes. I have the drive, and I'm going to do well on this test. And guess what? I did well on the test. That's number one. Number two, affirmations. Affirmations are very, very powerful. Here's how an affirmation goes, or one that I used to use five years ago. I wrote down on a three by five card that I enjoy sharing information with people. I don't have to be concerned that the information is going to come out perfect. My only goal for myself in this transaction is to convey information as clearly as possible and in such a way that the audience can take away the information and apply it. I'm not in performance mode at all. I'm simply going to have a conversation with some people who want to know about some stuff that I just so happen to know. And when my hands get clammy and when my knees get shaky, I'm just simply going to have to press through those physiological responses. It's going to happen for a while. But there's so much beauty in the affirmation because it prepares you for what's going to come. And yes, you'll have that initial stage fright for a little while. But then you start to think about your affirmation that says you can do it. You are confident. You're not in performance mode. And guess what? 30 seconds. You're in the zone. You're doing exactly what you've been saying you would do. Number three, visualization. This one is incredibly powerful as well because our brains are the most complex instruments we'll ever probably come across or ever really know for that matter. But it gives us an opportunity to experience the future ahead of it actually taking place. You can simply close your eyes and imagine what it would be like for you to have this new positive mindset, to think through how your life would be different if you didn't have that limitation, right? To feel the feeling of what it would feel like to be freed from that limitation, from that hindrance. I'm asking you just to do one of the three, but for you overachievers, if you combine the three, what you will find is you will fast track this process. How do you find out which ones to work on? That's a great question. Here's the answer. What you do is you set a goal you set the goal such that it's not easily attainable. And then naturally, 
what's going to happen is if there are any areas of your being that are not necessarily ready, your protective mechanisms start to flare up. Those are the areas that you jot down in your journal as areas of concern that you're going to begin working on. Maybe there's something in your mind right now that resonates with you. Gosh, if if I could just work out consistently. Well, write yourself a note or get a three by five card. Write yourself a note on there, an affirmation that says, for a long time, I had a problem working out. That's not the case anymore. I enjoy working out. I enjoy the act of aerobic and anaerobic activity. I love the way it makes me feel. I enjoy the endorphins that are released as a result of a good workout. And I know that working out is something that I've always desired to do. And I'm just so happy that now it's a part of my life now. Take that, write it down, something similar to that. Read it morning, midday, and in the evening at a minimum three times. And in a couple of weeks, you will just begin to walk in that realization. In closing, I want to share with you that a negative self-image is limiting, whereas a positive self-image is limitless. That will conclude this podcast. I do wish to thank you for your time today. And feel free to share this with your friends and family. Tag me on IG at your thought life, no spaces, Y-O-R, thought life. And and leave a comment. I'm going to read every single comment. I might not get to respond to each one. I'm going to read every single one. And remember, you are enough. You can do it. You are uniquely equipped to realize every goal that you have for yourself. We're going to help you do it. So until next time, take care and be safe.